This is Finance, a basic look at the complex world of investing. Join me, Matt Gregory, and reformed Wall Street guy Peter Raschuti as we put the fun in fundamentals of market capitalism. Don't worry, the dad jokes are free, and they're also infrequent. So it looks more like a, a real company trading, and all of a sudden the stock goes from a dollar to ten dollar. It seems like all of this is like window dressing for a stock. It is. Uh, you might as well, you know, start measuring the drape. It's the same stuff. On this week's episode, is a stock split really that great? And after a brief break, we're back into it. It's been a couple of weeks. It just kind of time flies in the summer, Peter. It is what it is. But one of the things we're going to talk to Peter about today, or the main thing we're going to talk to him about, is something that I think is... Um, it's an issue that people kind of conflate or get confused all the time. I've had roommates tell me, you know, this stock split, it's great, you know, or this stock split, that's a bad thing. So we figured we would just dive right into it with Peter. What is a stock split? Uh, you know, it, you're absolutely right, Matt. It takes a, gets up a lot of news coverage and everything, but it doesn't affect your, your investments. What happens is, let's take an example where a stock's selling at um, uh, $10 a share and you own 100 shares. Well, you've got uh, $1,000 right there. And then if it splits two for one, all of a sudden you have 200 shares, but the price drops accordingly. So now you have 200 shares at five, which is worth uh, still $1,000. Now, but uh, you hear people get, it's a good thing for us to talk about because people really misunderstand. I guess about a year, year and a half ago, Apple split four for one. And I can't tell you how many people would ask me or, you know, just people walking down the streets, I'm getting in for the split because um, you make four times your money. It's like, yeah, <laughs> that's not the way it works. But every, I would say 90% of America thought that's how it works. It's like, you know, I can't, I just got to get in that day before, you know, I'm mortgaging the house. And uh, so, um, but yeah, it's great. And the reason companies split their stock is usually the stock has gone up quite a bit. And now it's at a price where the retail investor, that's what we call them, the individual investor like you and me, can no longer afford to buy very much of it. Um, a good example is you can buy one share of stock. You, you could do that. But that's what's called an odd lot. Uh, a round lot is when you buy in increments of 100, 100, 200, 300, 1,000 shares. And they're usually easier to execute. And um, usually there isn't as much a commission on them. So that people, in order to get people to be able to afford a round lot, uh, they get the stock price down. And uh, the other thing is, um, uh, you know, some one of the favorite, not all companies do it, I guess. Uh, you take uh, Berkshire Hathaway, uh, Warren Buffett's company. Um, the tight, they have two, two, they broke it up into two little uh, segments of the A stock and the B stock. The A stock sells for $450,000 a share. So very few people can, uh, one share would cost you $450,000. That's a, that's a little prohibitive. Certainly to get a round lot, you would actually have to be a, a super millionaire. So, um, so they split into a B stock. It's the same company, same rules, everything, but it sells for the much more affordable price of $300 a share, which is still outrageous, but that's <laughs> certainly a lot, a lot better. And so, uh, that's that's what happens is the, the Apple and the Berkshire example are uh, are pretty good. Um, there is such a thing as uh, a reverse stock split. Mm -hmm. And that happens for just the opposite reason, Matt. It's because uh, a company's price has gotten so low that it, I, I guess the French term is it looks crappy. You know, you get a stock selling at 75 cents a share and you automatically think, oh, 
you know, as things uh, starting to uh, twirl around the, the, the drain here and it's going to go out of business. So they do that, Matt, uh, to get it up. And there's um, so it looks more like a, a real company trading. So you might have a 10 for one reverse stock split. And all of a sudden the stock goes from a dollar to ten dollars. And of course, you own one tenth of it. So of what you owned before. I don't want to oversimplify, and maybe this is oversimplifying, but uh, it seems like all of this is like aesthetic, like window dressing for a stock. It, it is. Uh, you might as well, you know, start measuring the drapes. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same stuff. Uh, I know. I got to admit, on the reverse stock split, there's a there's a company reason for doing this, and that is when a stock price drops below a dollar, uh, the Nasdaq and the NYSE, the New York Stock Exchange, will start reviewing the company and ask if they. And they may delist it. They won't trade it anymore if it gets to a. So that's it. If you look at, uh, we follow a wide variety of stocks at Birkenrode Reports at Tulane. But um, best examples in the last two years, we've had a number of stocks, unfortunately, whose prices have dropped so far that they've gone below a dollar. So we've we've seen that. Um, uh, one of the great stories about it's not about stock splits, but it's about the same thing. Matt is the, is uh, one day in Brooklyn, Yogi Berra. Uh, is in the booth of a pizzeria and the waitress uh, and he orders a pizza and the waitress comes to his booth and she's got that uh, round knife where they, they cut up the slices and they said um, they said yogi uh, do you want um, uh, you want this cut in six or eight slices and yogi goes oh six slices there's no way i could eat eight <laughs> so it's uh, a <laughs> yeah <laughs> so just a little storytelling you know we're very good at storytelling down here i hear that my I was wondering, you know, with stock splits, because I have had people tell me, oh, my, the stock split, that's so great. Is there any, like, okay, so instead of, let's say, um, saying, I hear it's going to split, so I'm buying some stock, is there any incentive to say, well, let's wait till after it splits and then buy stock? Does that do anything for your portfolio, or are you really just going to end up owning the same amount you would have owned either way? Yeah, you're going uh, to own the same thing. I would say the idea of buying it before the split has a little, little, little merit in that, um, now that the stock price is down, maybe you're going to bring some new investors mm. into the stock, but it's it's always marginal. You know, I was, I don't know, let's talk about storytellers. You know, we're, uh, Walter Isaacson, the, the great writer, is here, is from New Orleans. And I, I was at a speech where he was speaking, and I, by the way, very, very, very nice guy and very thick books. You know, Steve Jobs. I've written two books that would not make a chapter in terms of uh, Walter Isaacson, but he was telling a story where he's a little boy and he goes to visit his uncle. Parents go over there, the family, and he goes over to visit his uncle. And uh, and he asks his uncle, I don't know, he's only about nine years old, but he asks his uncle, I don't know what I want to do in life. And his uncle says, well, let me put it to you this way. There's only two kinds of people that come from Louisiana, storytellers and, and pastors. And uh, and he says, you know, and he looks, looks Walter in the eyes and he goes, we got enough pastors. And, uh, and of course, he became the world's greatest storyteller, really. So when you, um, yeah, I was, one of the, the former American greatest companies, I think is General Electric. Is that right? Yes. And a few weeks ago, General Electric split. Um, and I was wondering, like, what would be the point of that? They were already like 17 a share. They weren't very a very big stock. Like, Why would you split if it doesn't look... Um, Aesthetically yeah, not, pleasing to me. Yeah, um, just really to get a few more investors in there. You know, that's it's really uh, all it is. And boy, that's a that's a sad story. You know, GE was one of the first. It was in the Dow 30 when they created it, which mm. was like 120 years ago. And and then it got thrown out of the Dow 30 uh, about 
about a year ago. And that was the last company left of the original Dow 30. Wow. So I, that it would go under the category trivia. So uh, it is. <laughs> it's so tough to watch uh, these companies that you assume as a kid, at least for me, were powerhouses. Um, because when I was born, there was still a, a very viable electric company called Westinghouse that was a powerful, powerful thing throughout the 60s and 70s. You now know it as pieces of Northrop Grumman and Lockheed Martin. I think the majority of it became uh, Northrop Grumman, if I'm not mistaken. But Another company is spun off of that called... Uh, well, the, the abbreviation is Wabco, and uh, and it's all the rail stuff that Westinghouse had done, the, the, the making of those engines. Wow. So you're right. Westinghouse is totally split up. I, I think it's actually uh, part, I think Quiznos was started from it. <laughs> That is not true, but it's um, well, a little extreme. That, yeah, it was both of my grandfathers worked for Westinghouse, and then everyone in this area in the, the D.C., uh, Baltimore region has this um, somewhat connection to it because it's just it was such a big company. It did so many things. It was defense contracting. They were inventing things. I think, and this sounds so strange, one of my grandfather's uh, friends invented this thing called Stratovision, which really would have killed the atmosphere if it had taken off because the idea was that you would beam television signals up to a 747 as it flew around and it would beam television back down so the way you got your tv schedule was to have it like your, your tv signal rather was to have a, a jet flying at all times could you imagine a different jet for every channel oh my gosh what a wild idea and the other hand you know the passengers on the plane got great reception right but it's, uh, it's uh, you know what I remember about Westinghouse is first of all the logo is a W with little dots mm -hmm. at the end. But you mentioned defense, and when I remember as a young man, I would see like rocket launches going on, and it would have the Westinghouse logo on it. So like it's right right in the on the nose, and it was like you know a, a bomb with, it, with the people going. You know what? We're in rough shape because Westinghouse is coming. You know it's uh it was the craziest <laughs> it was the craziest thing, but um. But yeah, I, you know, so that's really what's what's going on, and it um, and it's going on. You know, it happens a lot. There's probably a split going on every uh, every week, particularly in a market like this where the mar stocks have gone up. I mean, it's a uh, it's been an amazing market. You know, really since since '09, the spring of '09, which is um, let's see, about 11, 11 years, uh, twelve years, and there's only been one blip, which is COVID, which I know nobody's calling COVID a blip, but it was it only lasted about a month and. Uh, that's that's amazing uh, set of returns. I know myself just having some portfolio. I'm now uh, I'm now paying somebody to walk around my step counter. That's <laughs> I was wondering. Um, there's a there's a phenomenon that I've noticed, especially with the people who who buy Bitcoin. And I'm not asking you to weigh in on cryptocurrency, but I was going to say that one of the things I've seen Robinhood and people offer is a fraction of a stock. So someone the other day said, "I bought Amazon." I was like, "You bought." A thousand, whatever it is, dollars a share. Like, oh no, but I own a little Amazon. You can instead of splits. Like, how do you? Can you buy fractions? That was never, ever, ever allowed. In fact, when I saw the brokerage firms do that, is for old invest. I've been doing this for forty-two years. When they do things like that, you begin to think you get near the top of the market, where you know they're <laughs> they're this crazy ideas. I mean, it's a great idea mathematically, and it's it's very good for investors, but. You know the fact that you want everybody in. When everybody gets in, it's time to get out, and um, which is uh, kind of perverse, but it uh, it really is uh, really is true. So we'll have to have to see that the market has really gone. It's just amazing. Now the interesting thing, oh Matt, you're gonna like this. I went to my favorite restaurant here in New Orleans, kind of a 
hole in the wall restaurant, but the waitress came over and we were talking about my class and teaching investments class, securities research. And she came up and she goes, you know, I've been dabbling in the market. That's always a bad sign. The word dabbling. <laughs> yeah. Second word is playing the market. That's a, that's a better. And, uh, and she goes, and she said what every, the typical thing people should say, she goes, you know, I got some crypto and I got some uh, marijuana stock. I thought that's exactly, in fact, you might want to do those together. And um, where, whereas I told her, and of course she thought it was clever, but I don't think she wanted to do it. As I said, you know, we don't own any, my wife and I don't own any marijuana stocks, but we own Scott's miracle Grow, which has a big gardening component. And obviously, you know, people are gardening more, but one of the reasons the stock has gone through the roof and the earnings is that people are planting their own weed. Yeah. And, uh, I'll say a funny story. In New Jersey, they were having a, a, a vote about whether or not they should legalize marijuana or whatever. The largest single contributor to that campaign was Miracle Grow. I mean, it's, but it's when you start thinking like that, like a head, it's more like not checkers anymore, it's like chess. Um, it's, it's why it's the most interesting sport in the world. <laughs> We've talked about this before um, that one of the things that I think is interesting, and it ha- I had, like you, I had to have somebody. Well, I had to have someone like you tell me um, to look at these things, but someone had told me a long time ago, uh, when you're looking at AI or when you're looking at those things, don't invest in like the company that makes AI. Don't invest in the company that does the, uh, the thing. Invest in the company that makes the things that make that. So like obviously computer processors, but I think that market's been overexposed from what I've looked at. NVIDIA is out through the roof. AMD just went on a wild meme stock ride yeah. for a day, which was weird. But yeah, the, it's the he referred to it as the Internet of Things. So like, if you can find the company that makes the machines now that makes the processing chips, then you might be onto something. So it's it's sort of like you're right. It's looking at like what is behind all of this. Who's the man behind the curtain? Invest in him. Yeah. And you know, Matt, you could go the other way too, which is um, buy the companies that are going to benefit from this new technology and it's going to cut their costs in half and things like that. Um, the reason we say that, the reason you're saying the Internet of Things, and the reason I'm saying the the um, the application of them is usually the one in the middle is the most sexy and subsequently the most expensive. You know, I would rather I said this to the class last night, and I think I think they just went away thinking Mr. Rashuti's a dinosaur or something. But that's a um, <laughs> I said I'd rather own a pretty good company at, at a good price than I would rather own uh, an amazing company at too high a price. And uh, I think the example I gave was. Uh, um, I think I gave uh, Amazon versus uh, Monroe, which I happen to have stock in. That's the company that uh, repairs your mufflers. Mm. You know, and if you look at that, it's like, wow, I, uh, I would go with uh, A, um, Amazon. But when you look at the prices, you know, that's what counts. That's yeah. really what, what counts. It's not as sexy. It, you know, you go to a party and you tell people, where are you putting your money? Monroe mufflers. And people go, oh, that's fascinating. I'm going to freshen my drink. I'll be right back. And uh, nobody cares. It, it was one that um, I thought of as, you know, putting stuff into, like, say, Procter & Gamble. It's a large company. Stock's okay. It goes up. But no one cares to hear about that. And the only time anyone pays attention to Procter & Gamble stock is when kids start eating Tide Pods. Yes, right. Was, uh, you know, there's one that's very similar, though, Matt. Uh, talk about boring companies that got excited was uh, Clorox. Mm. You know, great company. Grows at a good clip. They're out of Oakland, California. But when COVID hit, was like, oh, I have to wipe the surfaces of very. You, know, you remember you couldn't get Clorox yeah. wipes or whatever. I think you had to become a shareholder or something to get the wipes. I don't, 
I'm just making that part up. But the uh, yeah. <laughs> I once owned stock in UPS, and I remember after a couple cocktails, I was walking down the streets of Chicago, and I saw a UPS driver delivering things, and I walked over and said, "Thanks from the shareholders." <laughs> I think he no, wanted to not. hit me with. I think he wanted to hit me with the box. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my my late mother used to say, you know, when you see the UPS truck, she'd go, oh, my day is complete. When you <laughs> so they certainly are ubiquitous. Is there anything else really? I mean, other than I guess we've kind of exposed or at least looked at. I don't want to say exposed because that seems rude, but it seems like stock splits really are something that are meant to benefit boosting the actual stock. There's not a whole lot of material value to someone unless you are the company. Right, and the, and uh, and the company's not benefiting either. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're, they're just they're just going this. They've got some guy in the back that's uh, recalculating the uh, share price and all of that. The, but the idea that they could get, you know, one of the problems this is the last thing we'll talk about. Matt is um, when you get a company, they tend to be shares tend to be owned very heavily by institutions, mm -hmm. and it's like hedge fund managers and all that. And those people are really that's what we call in the business hot money, because there there's no commitment. To Clorox, I've been here. My father owned Clorox years, you know, nothing, nothing like that. They were looking for a pop, and uh, and so they're they're so now your shareholder base is really fickle, and they, and when everybody gets out, the stock drops very quickly, and if everybody gets in, it goes up. So companies would like to see a fair amount of their shares in the hands of individual investors that are more likely to to stay with something. You know, I've I've had one stock I've had for thirty five years. I mean, that's. That, that's what a company would like to see is really committed uh, committed investors. Yeah. The last thing I want to hit on is because we're kind of – actually, yeah, we're coming to the end of summer. Summer is probably over. I don't know what the meteorological end of summer is, but I'm sure it's nearby. We've watched this like market over the last four months. Um, it seems to not know that it's in a bubble in some way, or maybe it's fighting something. We've watched inflation come up and be a big issue. Now inflation has come down, it would appear, at least based on the media headlines – what do you, I guess it's not really a look forward, but a look backwards. What did you see this summer with the markets? And then what does that kind of tell about the future? Well, you've been in kind of a Goldilocks uh, market uh, since uh, since March of uh, 2020. You've had uh, the prospect of very, very large growth uh, like you'd never seen on a comparison basis. And now it's really, it's meeting its uh, meeting its maker in terms of it's causing inflation. And so right now, I mean, I think the Federal Reserve is, first of all, they're really smart people. I've got former students that work at the Fed, friends. They're, they're smarter than me. They're better dressed. They have less body fat. These are really the top people out there. They should be running the, the darn economy. But they're in a real pickle here. And I they're trying to get a soft landing. They are trying to push down inflation without killing the um, the economy and one of the things probably a good last point to talk about Matt is that the market has these temper tantrums every time the Fed talks about raising rates or cutting back the securities they're going to buy and how can you calm that you keep announcing one of the things you see the Fed do is keep talking about you know it won't be long till we have to do something they're trying to drop these these hints and um, uh, and so you know can they do that can they put a lid on inflation uh, not rock the market. And, um, and you know, I, I got to say, Matt, it's been so long. I mean, when I started in this business, late seventies, we had wild inflation and it is terrible for financial assets. Mm -hmm. Inflation is the kryptonite of financial assets. So there's a reason the fed is, is so, um, is so concerned and it's, it's the number one priority. Yeah. I, I was, I was sort of wondering like with everything, you're right. It, it's one of those things where, 
we are I've grown up in a world that's post inflation. I mean, I was a baby the last time inflation was a big deal. My parents had bought a house. Their house um, they had to get uh, take a loan out from my grandfather because the bank would loan them something at, you know, 20%. Um so I can see, but also after so long of being so low, people would just get accustomed to it, and it would scare the market. So I, I can understand why that would happen, but I'm interested to see what will happen this fall, because you have the economy half open, now kind of confused about where this is going to go to. I don't think that um, there will be a major shutdown again, as long as there are vaccines, but it's very interesting. And d- Is there anything else you'd really think about the future in terms of what is kind of cueing to you that there's a direction this may go? Yep, it's. I've, I've got a, a very adorable story about the vaccine. The Saints played a, a game this week. Uh, I think it was Monday night football preseason, and you couldn't go in unless you were vac- at least had the first vaccination, or you were. I don't know. You held the test, and it only was two minutes later, two minutes, two minutes ago or so. And they had a booth out front, and um, more than a hundred people got vaccinated just before kickoff. So <laughs> that's great. Yeah, anything we can get them to do, really. Let's go with it. Let's just try anything. You know what? That's a quick one, but I've always said it's about quality, not quantity. So I think that's a good episode. Thank you for joining us, Peter, and thank you all at home for listening. We'll have you listen to us next week. You can never say we'll see you next week. We'll we'll have you hear us next week. <laughs> <laughs>